Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. In a season of disappointing wins and crushing losses. The worst yet, this week on Pod Like a Raven. I'm going to struggle this episode. I'm going to struggle with the fellas. I, I didn't enjoy this week. I didn't like it. It was the worst game of the season. I'm Antonio Barbera. And I hate this team. I hate these Ravens. I hate the coaching staff. I hate the personnel moves that they've made. And it's going to be a challenge for me to keep it together on this episode. So I'm going to just period. I'm going to bring in my co-hosts and we're going to try to keep the ball moving here. Just pass it around. You know, behind the curtain, there, there's sort of a challenge going on for the three of us for who cracks first uh, and makes this episode one that we have to label explicit on on the iTunes, on the Spotify. It's not going to be me. It might be me. Let me bring in the co-host, starting on the West Coast. It's Jace Evans. Jace, we missed you last week. It's good to have you back. Welcome to this disaster show. How are you? Uh... I'm okay, all things considered, and the only reason I am okay is because our salvation, Antonio, can only be achieved through embarrassing losses like the one we saw Sunday night. The changes this organization need to undergo can only be achieved uh, if the fan base turns entirely against Greg Roman, John Harbaugh, and the Ravens coaching staff. Uh, it was bad. You know, the highlight of the game was probably their mascot, uh, doing a Kevin Nash meme. So like, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where I am. I'm like, oh, that was fun. That's the only fun thing the team did all night, uh, in losing to the Steelers. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was kind of a game that sums up, you know, the entire, the entire season at this point. And, you know, you mentioned I was out last week and I listened to your guys' episode and it was great. It was, you know. Uh, very exciting 17 points the Ravens scored, if only they had scored 17 in this game. But I listened to that episode as I walked around the neighborhood. I thought, you know, we are in the playoffs, right? All you need to do is get the dance. And I was like, maybe I'm being too hard on the Ravens. Uh, no, this team is awful. This team is bad. <laughs> I was right the first time with my initial take. Uh, there's no joy in this team making the playoffs. And... Uh, this is like, I think, a bottom five season in Ravens history for me. Uh, it's just been very frustrating, and I want it to end as soon as possible. And hopefully, embarrassingly as possible, so that the big changes this team needs are made. I hate this team. On the East Coast, Tim Horsey, welcome 
welcome on. Uh, whatever. I, I'm not gonna ask how you're doing. Uh, what day of the week is it? How's your work? How you know? How, what what cocktail are you making these days? That's your go-to. Oh. Uh, you know, whatever you want to go for. Just jump in here with anything. Well, you know, I'm a Tito's and tonic man myself. Um, but I am. How in the flying squirrel are we going to talk about this team without just breaking out the explicit label? I can hear the listeners in the background. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, yeah, this... I don't... First of all, the fact that Antonio is, you know, flat-out miserable to take you behind the curtain. I've never seen this man hop on the Zoom call as upset as he just did uh, right before we started recording this episode. I don't I'm know how... hurt, Jay- dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. I'm hurt. Pain everywhere. I don't know how Jace and I, two noted optimists uh, in all aspects of our lives, are going to convince you that it's going to get better. Because it's not. This is good. This is terrible. Jace, I think you're absolutely right. This is probably top three <coughs> worst Raven seasons of all time. Like you could argue last season, but then this is just the extension of it. And there and lies makes it worse. And then you have all the effing Lamar Jackson drama um, surrounded him as well. Didn't know I would mention him. What? Five minutes into the podcast here. Um, yeah, I don't, it's a lot of same story, uh, you know, different chapter of the same book with this team. But at the same time, this one was the one that was just, so incredibly deflating and I, you know I've said it multiple times in this podcast I'm not looking forward to this I'm not looking forward to talk I hope the listeners enjoy it and or can wallow with us in sadness what have you if you want to go somewhere to break down expert you know all 22 film you can go somewhere else this is just going to be a therapy session between the three of us that you can that you can come and plop down on the couch with us because I think we're all going to need it here talking about the Ravens loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers and you don't need you don't need all twenty two because we're going to talk about this game and start with the Ravens' offense and they do two things they run it usually with tremendous success if they go to their running backs or they have their backup quarterback three step drop first read usually at Andrews is it there no roll out panic hope there's not a turnover that's it that's the Ravens' offense the Ravens lose this game sixteen. 13. This is not factually correct, but to my memory, the sixth straight game that they haven't scored more than a touchdown, they shouldn't have had the only touchdown they had. Shouldn't have been a a play that should never have existed. Uh, In a game that the Ravens led for approximately 45 minutes, uh, roughly, uh, down early in the first quarter, tied. Then had a lead for the entirety of the game. Lost it in the last minute. The, the offense can't score. Uh, in a season of disappointments, this was the worst blow yet. But really, it was the same old, same old of the offensive limitations, the missed opportunities in the red zone, and then costly mistakes when you just can't have them. Um, I'm going to stop. Again, I got I to gotta take my moments to breathe and just pass the ball. Just pass it around. Jace, You've done some good analysis of this. I, I did the 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 chicken soup for the like the teenage soul of what the offense is and what they can do. But you have some actual insight on Tyler Huntley slash Greg Roman slash John Harbaugh as it relates to the Ravens' offense. Yeah, it, it, there, there's obviously personnel problems, right? And I think you know. Uh... 
One of the obvious is when you press him into service for an extended period of time, Tyler Huntley just isn't that good. He sucks! He does. But, Tim, but, this is a Greg Roman problem, and more specifically, above him, because he has a boss, it's a John Harbaugh problem. <laughs> because, you like, Tyler Huntley stinks, but you know what else is true? Brock Purdy has won five freaking games in a row. Jarrett Stidham, who stinks, I think... <laughs> he really sucks! He really last sucks. I remember seeing him was throwing a pick six with the Patriots. That's like the last memory I have of Jarrett Stidham. Stunk in college. He wasn't good there. <laughs> Brock Purdy held back Iowa State from winning the Big 12 a second straight year. These guys are winning games. Jarrett Stidham puts up 500 yards on the best defense in the NFL. This is comes down to coaching, and that's just where it's so obvious the Ravens just aren't good enough. Uh, when you look around, and uh, those, that's, that's one game, sure. But, you know, other teams are able to figure out... <laughs> Uh, you know, how to have success with what they have. And Greg Roman finds no success with what he has when you take away an MVP-level quarterback. Um, so, you know, it kind of starts and ends there for me that it's you know, the same Greg Roman issues we've been talking about. But there's some fun examples from this game of just how bad he is. Uh, Andy Isabella jet sweep in the red zone. That was a good time. Uh <laughs> um the two times the only two times they even entered the red zone in this game uh on their first first and goal or first and 10 in the red zone the first time they entered the red zone they ran a tyler huntley read option both times i bet other nfl teams can't prepare for that or notice trends like that um and you know tyler huntley he's not lamar jackson looks like he's moving fast but he doesn't go very far ever and uh yeah it's just stuff like that repeatedly um gus edwards he he had three carries in this game uh for two yards uh and did not touch the ball after halftime played all of nine snaps um it just it makes no sense it's the same things we've been talking about all season about how they panic they do weird things uh, they get in the red zone and get too cute it's all the same stuff greg roman's got to go and until, uh, you know, in broader strokes, I think until he and, frankly, this entire coaching staff, I you know, I think I'm ready to fire almost everyone in the building except Justin Tucker, honestly, uh, is where I've hit with this team. But, mm. uh, uh, you know, it, it, I just, until they get rid of Greg Roman, this team's not going to sniff a championship. Uh, and that's just what it is. And I think that... Probably includes up to getting rid of John Harbaugh. They're not going to sniff a championship again. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was, it was the, the worst was it was just more of the same and completely unsurprising. I want to give you guys a chance to talk, but there's some very specifics we could get into, especially in the second half with what happened uh, with this. Yeah, I just have a little bit to pick up on this, Chase, because y- you're nailing it. And, you, you know, per usual, we missed your brilliant insight last week on Pod Like a Raven. Um, and luckily they won because, you know, we don't, we don't have as much to dissect when they win. So Antonio and I could be like, it's fine, I guess, question mark. And then, you know, kind of move on. Uh, the Andy Isabella 17 thing. points. Boy, did we, oh, didn't we know what we were, what we were cruising. getting at that point? Cruising. Two, two touchdowns. Wow. Um, yeah, the Andy Isabella thing, it's Greg Roman found success with a jet sweep that he runs two times a game with Devin DuVarnay. Dev, Andy Isabella is not Devin DuVarnay, and yet he's still going to do it anyway uh, because he doesn't know how to adjust at all because he is um, 
Oh, man. There was a couple <coughs> words that just came through my brain that I am not going to say on a recorded uh, podcast. Uh, it's something that we can put out into the ether. Nope. They're going to let that one sit in the old brainstem. Um, but you get it. Pick, put your word there. You can have it. We'll leave a blank space for you. Uh, the, the Gus Edwards thing. You bullied this team not two, three weeks ago. Bullied them. Absolutely bullied them. J.K. Dobbins, lots of success in this game. One of the bright spots, along with, I would say, Mark Andrews, although he was the only person that was targeted, basically, this entire game. Nice to see him kind of rebound a little bit, but we're not going to talk about positives because there are really none. The fact that you're running the ball so well, and I know Gus is a different runner than J.K., but there are open holes, and there are places for Gus Edwards to exploit it. He gets three carries, like you said, Jace, nine snaps, nothing. When you're leading the game... Nothing after halftime when you're leading the football game and need to burn clock. And the best guy at doing that is Gus Edwards because he's a guaranteed four yards a clip. Almost certainly at this point in his career. And then your coach, then your coach. This is a hardball quote and I, I, sorry to spoil Antonio's segment a little bit. And I, I saw this as well. Jace put this in our little running doc here. I'm just going to read this off via Jameson Hensley. Harbaugh said today, quote, or on Monday, I wasn't happy about that when, when talking about Gus Edwards' limited playing time. In all honesty, Gus should have played more. There's no doubt about it. Really no excuse for that. You know what the excuse is? You haven't fired your buddy who might have dicks of you or something. Should have been fired two and a half years ago. And you're letting him on this staff, ruining an entire fan, franchise, fan base, city, the whole damn thing. I can't wait for Orioles baseball at this point. I'm ready to burn all the purple that I have in my possession. And it's a lot of it. It's a lot of it. My closet looks like a some somebody royal. Like, the, you know, royals color purple. Whatever. I can't, I can't even do this. <laughs> it's just to come out and say that and have this sort of like, Oh, yeah, well, really no excuse for that. We'll move on. We're, we're, we're a good coaching staff. We'll figure it out. How stupid do you think we are? How dumb do you think this, this fan base is to just spit in our face constantly with the lack of performance and the lack of accountability held after every single time? Well, and- oh, well, the guys didn't execute it well enough. Uh, that's on the coaching staff. Thanks, John. Nope. I'm not going to be the first one. I'm not going to do it. It's going to be one of you. It's not going to be me. Well, Although, I guess I do have to edit out one of these things I earlier in the friend. But, yeah, probably. It's all right. Sorry, Jason's grandmother. Um, I just can't. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I, I really cannot do it anymore with this team where it's the same product over and over again. You know that it's going to fail to execute. You have zero confidence in them. And there's no adjustment, and there's no accountability for it. There's no, we effed up, we got to fix this, changes have to be made. It's, we trust our guys. Whoa, we'll keep it in-house. Shut up! Just shut up! If you're, if you're not going to say anything in a press conference, maybe stop talking. Just decline media availability. I would rather you be that absolute, that much of a dick, and do that, then say, oh, you know what, uh, we trust the guys in our building. I'm not really going to talk about that right now. It's a, it's a disgrace. And again, like I said before, you are spitting in the entire fan base's face when you do stuff like that. Well, and with that Gus quote in particular, what just irked me is like this idea so that annoying. like he has like no control over that in the game. And it just like speaks to me of either someone who's like, I don't know, just I don't want to say checked out, but it just seems like Harbaugh doesn't have the answers in like a way he probably once did. But it's like 
hey, you know, like, just tell your offensive coordinator, hey, we should run Gus more. You're the head coach. He has to listen to you. Like, right? Like, it all comes to you at the end of the day. So it's like, you have direct control over this entire operation. And so just, like, not stepping in in that scenario is very frustrating. Um, And, yeah, it's, uh, as I said, like, I feel like, I I texted this to you all. I, I feel like I've been, like, the boy who cries wolf with my my friends because I've been telling them all year how much this team stinks and all they tell me is that they're ten and six and going to the playoffs and I'm like but you don't understand this team is bad and I think this game put just that on full display because it was just bad top to bottom and I we do have to just talk, I mean I think get specifically into briefly how bad it was why they lost the game in the second half uh. It's pretty easy to sum up, actually. Uh, Real quickly, Jace, I just want to say this before we get into specifics, because you're right. But I don't want to hear any more of this. Well, wait till Lamar comes back, because I still don't have faith that this is going to change with Lamar Jackson there. And what this is doing is this is only giving Greg Roman and John Harbaugh more excuses. Well, we don't have our MVP caliber quarterback. Well, that's true, although I'm not even going to do the whole charade, injury charade with him, where it was one to three weeks, but they only said one to three weeks because they were optimistic, but then it's actually a four to six week injury that they're never going to talk about, and then becomes a whole Twitter fiasco, which is all a nightmare. But I am almost certain that whether Lamar stays or not, because at this point, I don't think he is. Like, I, I've, I've resigned myself to the fact that he's going to leave this organization. And, and a lot of fans are going to go with him. I don't think they should, but they will. And that's just the nature of the business nowadays. But it's going to give these people an excuse to the point of, well, we just got to find our quarterback. And we'll really, we'll really like, get this thing moving going forward. We have two, two bad years of injury luck. They'll probably leak some crap about Lamar not being like, as professional as you'd like if he leaves. And all this BS that they do behind the scenes. And it gives them an excuse that they shouldn't have. Because this is not a Lamar Jackson problem, like like Jace so eloquently put at the very start of all this. It is a John Harbaugh, it is an Eric DaCosta, and it is a Greg Roman problem. I want to talk on the Harbaugh bit a little bit before we get into the... Well, eventually we'll get into the actual plays in the game. But the Harbaugh stuff, and we have... We haven't circled around it for weeks. We've been on it for weeks. It was, it was the inspiration for Harbaugh quotes. It, he feels like a coach who is out of ideas and is out of answers and is almost fortunate in in the fact that he has 10 wins i i'm you know well in parentheses i'm mostly annoyed by this game because as i talked about early in the season one of my big uh season-long projections was the ravens over 10 wins i loved them the line was 10 and a half wins i loved them at 11 they had the softest schedule imaginable they had a fourth place schedule when they were not a fourth place team. So they have these ten wins. Nine of them are hollow against bad teams. I did this thing with Tim last week where in, in giving my my pick for the Steelers game, I laughed about how the Steelers had only won one game all season against a team with a winning record. Guess how many wins the Ravens have against a team with a winning record? It's the same number at this point in the season. They have one win. I'm going to fact check it later, but I'm pretty positive it's one win against a team with a winning record. And they have ten wins. So they're winning games in spite of themselves because they're playing a fourth place schedule. And in every situation this season, every single game slash situation, crux moment... 
He's been a he as the leader of the team and the franchise has been out of ideas. You cannot say a player should have played more. There's no doubt about it. There's no excuse for that. When he's running back two and he's averaged five yards a carry over his career, which is four plus years, he's one of your best weapons on an offense that has no weapons left. There's no there's no world where he has to say that after the fact. He was hired as a coach who was not an offensive guy, was not a defensive guy. He was a special teams guy, and what was his biggest attribute? Managing locker rooms, managing personalities, because when he was hired, the team had a bunch of veteran to-be Hall of Famers, and there and, and the previous coach in Bill Belichick had lost control, basically. He, it had become a veterans team, and they controlled what they want wanted, and that had led to issues, and so they brought in this coach, who's the whole point of, we need somebody, not a disciplinarian, which is what Harbaugh tried at first and didn't work, but we need somebody to manage the egos, to manage these personalities, and he did that, and that was the best thing he did in his tenure. That will be the, uh, I was about to say on the tombstone, that's a bit dark for, for me to say about Harbaugh, Man, but go that... For it. That will be his crowning achievement. He won a Super Bowl with this team by managing the egos and personalities of a veteran locker room. After that, he's tried to change. He, they stumbled into Lamar Jackson in the draft. And he's done nothing in terms of improving the situation of the talent that he does have, which really is Lamar Jackson at this point and a couple of running backs. It is infuriating... Uh, I, I have been like an apologist for years. I've been a, he's dealing with backup players. No team has ever last year. No team has ever had so many guys hurt. Like he's doing a great job considering he uses analytics. I guess that's a good thing. That doesn't put any pressure on him. (laughs) He doesn't have to make decisions because he can blame the math. It's not a thing that he has to deal with. He doesn't do offensive X's and O's. He doesn't do defensive stuff. This team is no longer a team of managing these veteran egos. It's a team of how do we maximize the one player in the building who was one of the top five talents in the NFL. And I don't really think he's done it, he personally. And I'm enraged, and it's rant number one. What are we, an hour and a half in so far? Let's get into the specics of this game. I'm so frustrated. (laughs) That was, first of all, that was beautiful, Antonio, because you're exactly right. He, this reminds me of the end of the Billick era, where Billick was a good football coach, good football coach, great football coach, Super Bowl champion. But when he got fired, and we were all much younger at the time, but when he got fired, it was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. It's, it has run its course. And this iteration of this team has run its course. Yeah, I mean, 50, he's been here 15 years. He's 60 years old now. It's like, it's okay to to change, I think. And, uh, I feel like we are hurtling towards massive changes this offseason, I think, based on how this season's unfolded. Because I agree with you guys. This season has been uh, as annoying as last year was. This season I, has been far more annoying and frustrating and rage-inducing <laughs> to me uh, than last year was. And... Um, I think it was very summed up in the second half of this game uh, to just get into the specifics of this contest. So the Ravens go up 13-3. to They build yet another double-digit lead. 
Uh, and then the offense proceeded to do this on their three drives before, and we'll get to the defense soon, because they also disappointed in this game. Uh, but the game was ultimately first lost on offense. When your offense did this, up 10 points. <coughs> uh, when they get the ball back, four plays, 25 yards, punt. Three plays on the ensuing drive, three plays, minus two yards, punt. Next drive, before the Steelers go on to score a touchdown, three plays, eight yards, punt. You run 10 plays, you gain 31 yards, and that allows the Steelers to dig out of a 13-3 hole to take a 16-3 lead before you have five plays and throw an interception. And I'd be remiss if I didn't single out the three-play minus two-yard drive uh, because that occurred after a Justice Hill 56-yard kickoff return. He had, The ball is at the Steelers' 40-yard line. So that's a 57-yard field goal if you gain no yards. They lose two yards uh, and do not get a field goal attempt. Even a score there, you push a 13, at that point, a 13-9 lead to a 16-9 lead. And Mike Tomlin, I think a great coach, still a fairly conservative coach in the end. I don't think he goes for two. So you're probably looking at, at worst, you're tying the game late. Or they have a chance. But you make it so you can't lose the game, or it's hard, much harder to lose the game in regulation. Um, and they couldn't do it. And, uh, yeah, I think it's for all the reasons we said. It was bad play calling, bad execution, um, just failure to adjust to what the Steelers were doing all night, um, defensively. And, um, yeah, it comes back on Harbaugh and it comes back on Greg Rowan. But, uh, excuse me, that, uh, that sequence, uh, is why the Ravens ultimately lost it. <laughs> Collinsworth had a nice bit. We make fun. We 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 tease. I think with Collinsworth sometimes he's. My, I think my favorite color commentator in terms of watching a play, telling you what just happened, something interesting within seconds. The Romo stuff for me, I've never really been the biggest fan. He's more about predictive stuff and looking, trying to you know be a, being ahead of the play. Where Collinsworth is, let's look after the play. Wow, look at this guy. What a what a what, look at this one on one matchup with this guy or like. They were doing this before, and now look how they've adjusted. I think he's very, very good at it. His his big analysis, I would say, maybe in the first half was, holy moly, the Steelers are playing 6-2 defensively. They are playing six defensive linemen and two linebackers, and it's unheard of. I think his thing was basically like, no NFL team does this anymore because of how, essentially, without saying it, because of how beatable it is in the modern NFL. You can't do it anymore. Because any team with a wide receiver can exploit it immediately. <laughs> we have talked about this team. They need to run the ball more. They need to run the ball more. Look at how successful they are when they do run it. When the Steelers line up six defensive linemen every other play, that means not one receiver, two receivers, if not three, are on an island. They had several opportunities in this game, which is what they did in the Falcons game that Tim and I touched on last week. That was like the run and shoot kind of thing. It was like, it was a run play, or it was a one-on-one deep deep throw. And Huntley missed a bunch of them, but he hit one to Andrews that, that set up a field goal. I feel like we did not see that in this game, and it was an even more overcompensated defensive scheme than what anything that the Falcons were doing. And that's an example of 
they ran it, and they still ran it relatively successfully. But there were certain moments in this game, as Jace has mentioned, with the with the return, the Justice Hill return. There's no world where you cannot get five yards, three yards, dare I say, and kick a field goal to make this a more comfortable game. They lost yards on first down. They had a penalty, and they had a drop. It's infuriating. I hate this team. I hate this team. Tim, anything else on the offense before we turn into what the defense did? Um, Not a ton. I mean, you guys have kind of hit all the points that need to be hit, but I think it should be... Um, you know, it, it should be emphasized again what you're saying, Antonio, where you can't really run this 6-2 defense with six defensive linemen because in today's NFL, teams have weapons to expose that. And the Ravens simply don't have those weapons. I, I Hand up. Preseason, early in the season, I said that people are making way too big of a deal about the receiver issue. Rashad Bateman's going to come on. He's gonna, I think he's going to be great. Look out for Devin DuVarnay. I think I was sort of right on the DuVarnay thing. He's been a flash in the pan, but he has, you know, I think he's he's definitely improved a little bit. Both those guys go out with injury, and you could sit there and say, well, there's our excuse. We lost our top two wide receivers for injury. But the best teams in the league, I'm sorry, I know you want to you want to zig when they're zagging. The best teams in the league have at least three viable options as receivers. George Pickens. Who, by the way, people are like, oh, George Pickens coming out party. He had two catches. Calm down. The guy's throwing his helmet as a rookie. Like, he's going to flame out in year four because he can't get a hold of his attitude. So, good luck, Pittsburgh. Enjoy that. Antonio Brown was fun for a while, too, wasn't he? Until he turned into an absolute nut job. Uh, But they have Pickens. They have Deontay Johnson. They have other guys around this. Look at the, you know, we haven't haven't watched the game yet, obviously, as we're recording. But the Bills-Bengals tonight, both those teams, chock full of options. The Chiefs don't necessarily have to be. They can trade away a Tyreek Hill because they can bring in a Juju Smith-Schuster because he wants to play there because of the offense. And then you have Patrick Mahomes, who is an alien. Lamar Jackson does not compare to Patrick Mahomes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm sorry to say that. He is, he is a different being. But the Ravens have blatantly ignored the weapon issue on the receiving end, on the wide receiver specifically. They went, we can go big. We'll run the ball. We'll, we'll be this different type of team. We'll throw to our tight ends. We've got three great tight ends. They have Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, who's been very much just a rookie, you know, up and down, had moments, what have you, after a great preseason. And now you look at the you look at the receiving. Nine catches for Andrews, three for Likely, one for Deshaun Jackson, and one for Demarcus Robinson, who were your two answers. Those were your two answers to this receiving problem. And then, if you want to say, I, you know, I can't do the injuries thing because DuVernay, yeah, that sucks. Bateman has had a bit of a spotty issue, so to, to rely on him being the number one is, is a joke to me. But if you want to be this running team, then you give the, the ball to Gus Edwards three times and you give it to J.K. 17 times. So don't tell me you're going to be this heavy power run team when you're not giving the playmakers that you actually have the ball. And for me, it's just – it's never going to change. No Neck is going to sit up there in his little golden – tower calling the plays he's not going to take any he's not going to take any blame for any sort of losses and it's we're just going to be in this sort of offensive oblivion until as we've said multiple times throughout this what four hour recording now uh until things actually change yeah they just need to move in the offseason for a receiver it just because 
It just has to happen. It has three. to happen. They need three moves for an offer for receivers. Yeah. You you have to do what, like what the Jaguars did. You overpay for Christian Kirk. You overpay for Zay Jones because they're way better than what you have because you've proven that you can't draft and develop. The Ravens have drafted wide receivers like two a year for three or four straight years now, and they have absolutely no answers. Their answers in – you know, January of 2023 now are Demarcus Robinson and like a 38 year old Deshaun Jackson. It's just not good enough. And yeah, you have to make a move because you've proven if the staff is going to stick around, which they shouldn't, but I think the will be there. They can't draft wide receivers. So you have to bring someone in. I know that'll start the Deandre Hopkins pipe dreams, but even less than him, you got to find literally anyone who can play this position. It is shambolic. James Prochet is on this team when he doesn't get a touch or I should say a target in a game where like he, really he should have been, he, he he should have just moved up the pecking order no it's five targets to wide receivers total and they were to Deshaun Jackson signed midseason off the AARP list and DeMarcus Robinson signed after he was cut by another team oh my gosh okay uh a positive let's talk about the defense just kidding. The Ravens' defense <laughs> yeah. was bend, but don't break, but definitely break at the worst possible moment, um, which is really a capping event for this team. Through, and this is my one positive of this defense, of this game, of this team, through three and a half quarters, my best compliment could be that everything the Steelers got through the air was out of system. Basically, every offensive pass play was on a play where Pickett didn't have it in the pocket. The play broke down, and he had to roll out. He had to scramble and then found somebody. And even what he found was small, was negligible. They had three points in the first half. They had six points after three quarters. Then on the final drive, because why do it earlier in the game when you can do it in the worst possible moment? For your offense to have to respond to. Pickett made all the throws in one possession. He had the scramble throws, but he also had the deep drop. Really awesome throw to Sims. It was like a line drive touch pass to Sims where Kyle Hamilton. Oh my gosh. I'm so. I hate this team where Kyle Hamilton was like seemingly in position but jumped too early and then couldn't extend to knock the ball down because he's on the way down. On the final play for this defense was just a twisted poetic justice where it's Roquan Smith. It's your best defender getting beat for the only Steelers touchdown of the game on an identical play that he had made earlier in the game. Cover the running back out of the backfield in the flat. And once he runs downfield, stick with him. He did that, and they highlighted it and talked about it three different times, I think in the first half, about how great Roquan Smith was, because look at how we like, identified this. It was twisted, poetic justice that it was that play, again, where he is the guy who gets beat for the only touchdown, when it's it just brings to light the Ravens' chess. You know, the Ravens are playing chess in the front office while every other team is playing checkers. They got a linebacker during the trade deadline. They didn't get a receiver, which they need. They need like a number three receiver 
much less a number two receiver, much less a number one receiver. No, none of that during the trade deadline. They're gonna they're gonna mess with everybody and instead get a linebacker, and he's gonna be amazing and a perfect fit for this team. And he's the dude who gets burned in the most important moment of the game. You're all pro, pro bowler to be, Roquan Smith. I hate this team. I hate this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I I have been, you know, I honestly, I, we can almost kind of move on after Antonio's rant there because I think he's <laughs> absolutely right and he hit everything. Roquan Smith had a bad game. And this is, this is, I'm almost ready to buy the jersey not knowing if he's staying in Baltimore. I love this guy so much. Uh, but he, he had a bad game. And I think the defense as a whole – you know, and I, I, I do I do agree with Jace in that the offense primarily lost this game to start, but I have also been the man on this podcast over and over again this season saying, stop blaming the defense for one bad drive. The offense is giving them nothing. And I can't say that here. I think the defense also let this team down in a massive, massive way. You know, Brandon Stevens basically tried his best, had a couple good plays, and then kind of faded a little bit, you know. And... The one thing, that the, I mean, my only response to Antonio's here, because I think you, you summed everything up, you know, perfectly well. The Steelers against the Ravens in prime time, getting big, or not even big, but just getting conversions out of system. Sounds kind of familiar. Stop it sounds it. like the same thing that I'm happens not ready, Tim. all of the time. So are we just going to have... Kenny Roethlisberger doing the thing where Adafe Owe, who continues to not be a presence at all, don't give me the, well, he's really pressuring the quarterback. We did the same thing with Judon. I don't want to hear it. Where he's like two steps away from Kenny Pickett, who, if you look at all the measurables, he's supposed to be way faster than, way stronger than, bigger arms, whatever, wider reach, what have you. Can't get to the quarterback in some miraculous way, and then Pickett gets seven and a half yards on a pass to Fryer Muth. We invented this with Heath Miller, even though Todd Heap came into the league way earlier, you nimwits. You get seven and a half yards on a third and seven, constantly matriculating the ball down the field, as it were. It's just, it sucks. I hate this team too, Antonio. I hate them. I just I I'm wearing the Raven sweatshirt right now, and if I did, you know, resolution, boys, got to get back in the gym a little bit. We'll just put it that way. So I'm not going to disgust you all with taking off taking off the sweatshirt, but I almost want to right now just because I'm so disgusted with having to discuss this team. Um, that yeah, the defense was bad. Uh, long story short, you know, you nailed it, Antonio. And the only saving grace that I have. And I've been talking with some friends about this, and I think, um, you know, I agree with them. And so not to basically steal the point here. Roquan Smith seems like a man who will come back with a vengeance. I don't think that guy does things for fun. I think he just sits in a room angrily waiting for the next man he can hit. And I think he's going to look at the film, be disgusted, sit by a fire, and just, like, stare into the fire and then that you reverse the camera angle and you can see the fire in his eyes literally. And it's like a beautiful camera shot by whoever the cinematographer is of this scene in my fake mind. And then he's going to go out and have 45 tackles against the Bengals over the next two weeks, because guess what? We'll get to it. We're probably going to have to play him twice. Um, so yeah, I just, I, that's my only saving grace. They come back with a vengeance, but who knows? It's, it's probably all over and everything is pointless. <laughs> The, the sad thing is I was actually my darkest moment in this game was actually after the Ravens 
uh, three and out after or they're three and out minus two yards uh, after the long kick return because I could feel in my bones so heavily that they were going to collapse against the Steelers. And by the time they actually did, you know, and this belief is felt forged on a lifetime of watching the Ravens do this against the Steelers in particular, uh, but also this group. And so we've talked on and off. It's this team is like allergic to making a game changing play or a big play on defense. They do it so infrequently. It's so infuriating. They play, you know, they, they play so well and then they still collapse. So I was prepared for it. And by the time it actually happened, I was kind of had already accepted what was happening. So it didn't, I think hurt me as much as it could have, but uh, you know, I, I, I still blame the offense more. I think the offense has bigger problems. Uh, Long term, but you know you can't ignore at this point, guys. That you know this is the Ravens have six losses, and in four of those losses they had a double digit lead, and in the a fifth they had a nine point lead. This team just it can't hold on to a two score lead, and you know at a certain point, yeah, it's a team game. Your offense needs to help you out, but we got. I I think this is why it hurts us so much is we got so used to not getting offensive support for the Ravens defense for you know. 17 years that Ray Lewis was on the team uh, and Ed Reed was on the team. So, you know, I think we just got used to them being able to close and they they just, this team feels like a bunch of front runners. (laughs) Like they never seem to play, like get the big play, the biggest games uh, and really haven't (laughs) realistically since, you know, Ray and Ed left the team in 2012 um, or after the Super Bowl. But, uh, The other disappointing thing, I think, in this game, though, with the defense, um, obviously they they blow it on that final drive. But they kind of helped lose it along the way by how bad their run defense was in this game. And um, I think, you know, Tim, you mentioned Roquan Smith having a bad game. uh, And I think that starts with just, I guess, Calais Campbell is just this important to the Ravens. He is out, you know, and I think that's a bad sign for the future. I think Calais Campbell's awesome, possibly a future Hall of Famer even. He has a case, and I think games like today help strengthen it because when you're a 36-year-old who contemplates retirement every offseason isn't in the game, the run defense is the worst we've seen in five years. Uh, This is via Luke Jones. Um, So Pittsburgh's 198 rushing yards were the most allowed by the Ravens since Tennessee ran for 217 against them in the 2019 playoff loss. And it's the most yards the Ravens have surrendered in a regular season game since Chicago ran for 231 in 2017. I have no recollection of that game, but this is your, your, your worst uh, offensive. This is your worst showing on run defense in five years against a team that couldn't really run the ball. The Steelers, I looked today after this performance, are still only 17th on the ground. It's not like this is an exceptional run game. I believe it was Najee Harris's like first 100-yard game of the season or what, his first in forever. Um, so that was really disappointing. And I think, you know, if you're if one player is the reason it falls apart like that, you have big problems. So that was disappointing too, aside from the, you know, blowing a double-digit lead collapsing again in a big spot on a late drive we've complained about that stuff all this season several seasons uh you know uh dating back to the game that shall not be named but uh uh that's been a problem but in this game in particular the run defense just killed them and i guess that's just literally as simple as Calais campbell wasn't there yeah one more thing 
defense. The, the side that Antonio just took on our Zoom call, by the way, you can tell how just draining. You better, you better, first of all, rate and review this episode, listeners. Five stars on every podcast platform you can, because this is, this is trying for us. We are, we are struggling in the new year to bring you this podcast, and we're only doing it for you. We're not doing it for us. We're doing it for you. And I that all that was just encapsulated in Antonio's face right there when he's trying. I could to be outside. I could be walking around. I could be watching, you know, a nice rom com instead of preparing and talking about this game. The one thing, one thing, the an additional thing I want to go over defensively is just another thing the Ravens have not addressed properly in ten years, ten years, and that is elite pass rusher. And that could not have been brought up better. And that's that's what happens when you have a loss like this. And you're a 10 win. You know, all, all Jace's friends are, are telling Jace to shut up because the team has 10 wins. But they're really a fraud team. Is all those little issues that you have, all of them come to the surface when you have an ugly home win against a 7-8 and eight team with a rookie quarterback starting. And one of the issues was the elite the lack of or if you're pittsburgh having an elite pass rusher the ravens used to own this position for 15 years straight with different players in their prime who could make the game changing play that jace is talking about the ravens have tried over the last 10 years and failed mightily and it was only brought to a head in this game where it was, let's do like snapshots of the Ravens' first round draft pick a, uh, a season ago, I should say two drafts ago, in Odafeoe, taken at the end of the first round. He was nowhere on the Steelers' final drive. Where is your first round talent pass rusher on the last drive of the game where a touchdown is a disaster, ends your game, ends your realistic chances of getting the first place in the AFC North, was nowhere. Who did the Ravens need uh, when it came down to crunch time in the in the pass rush? Jason Pierre-Paul, who was actually getting good pressures and then had to reach with, and this is, I mean this with all due respect, it's a horrible thing that happened to him. He managed to have an entire second career. He has, I think, three fingers on his right hand. In the most important play of the game, in maybe, not the most important moment of the season, because the Ravens are stupidly going to the playoffs, it's your over-the-hill pass rusher reaching out with his right hand, with three fingers, to take down a rookie quarterback who eludes him and then makes the pass for a touchdown to win the game, versus who is the Steelers guy? TJ Watt. Guess where T.J. Watt was taken? 30th in the first round. At the end, at the very end of the first round. And is two, second, third in the NFL as a pass rusher? Maybe first when he's healthy? Was last year. <laughs> was banged up this year. Uh, and I guess has lost the crown to, to Bosa in San Francisco. But what was he doing this game? Ending drives with a sack taking up multiple Raven offensive players' attention because Morgan Moses couldn't take him one-on-one, so they then had to have a tight end chip on him. 
He would get knocked over by the double teams, get up, and still have time to impact Huntley's throws after falling to the ground, which in the NFL is nonsensical. Every play is four seconds long. I hate this team. I hate it. And a perfect encapsulation, as I said at the top, of all the Ravens' issues is yet another thing they've done poorly forever now is drafting and develop and or developing a premier pass rusher. They don't have it. Odafeoe, a waste of time, in my opinion, at this point. Does nothing mm-hmm. well besides beat an offensive lineman one-on-one away from the ball. Great. That's a first-round draft pick investment that you made. That does nothing and has done nothing for an entire season. I hate this team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. we talked about this in, you know, leading up to the draft, how important this draft was for Eric DaCosta because, frankly, he's missed um, more than he should. Uh, more than the, oh, man, the Ravens. Yeah, God, those Ravens just get guys in the draft. How did that guy fall to the Ravens? And then, you know, you see guys not necessarily work out. Um, I, I just have one more thing on this game because you brought it up, and I feel like this is the this is the spot to do it. I have a very old man take, and I am I am prefacing this with I know it's an old man take, and sure there might be a bit of hyperbole in this, but I do kind of believe it, and I and I'm not going to be swayed otherwise. Although he did make plenty of plays in this game, although he was a nuisance, T.J. Watt is one of the most overrated football players in the <laughs> National Football League. He is, he is, because you know what Terrell Suggs did. For all those years, Terrell Suggs moved around when needed. He would play over the center if he had to. He would play on the right tackle. But primarily, he would man up and play against the best offensive lineman on any given uh, uh, football team, which is most, almost always, for a right-handed quarterback, the left tackle. T.J. Watt never lines up over the left tackle. He always lines up over Morgan Moses on the offensive right side. He is a left end, and apparently there's a big difference in technique being on that side. No, he's a and he doesn't want to go against the left tackle and actually make his money there. So TJ Watt, I'm tired of the BS. Your brother's out of the league. You should join him as well. It, oh, he's so good. Line up over the best guy. Line up over Ronnie Stanley for an entire game, and let's see how well you do. You can, you can come back at me with, well, that's a really good scheme to put him over a weaker player. And you know what? I don't care that you're right. You're super right, and I don't care. Because my old man take is he's super overrated and, yeah, a bit of a for never going against the left tackle in any of these games. I will say he did uh, cause the Ravens some major problems. Uh, he did. He did. Sunday's game and uh, looking up the stats uh, just now, he, he did have 22 and a half sacks last year, which is pretty good. So, How many on a left tackle, Jace? I, I need know. to see the numbers. Uh, I need I, to see them. I would love anyone to have 10 sacks. We talked about Justin Houston doing it for us. He's gone Mia the last, you know, month and a half. So... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love T.J. Watt lining up on our our left over right tackles for us if if given the chance. So you know, I you know I respect the take tremendously. I think it's one you're not gonna hear a lot on the airwaves. <laughs> Everybody's too afraid to say it. They're all yeah. too afraid to People say it. People are too it. afraid to speak bold truths in today's society, and but Tim's not. Uh, <laughs> so I respect it. Oh my 
gosh. I don't know. Anything else? <laughs> no, uh, no. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, move yeah. on. Justin Tucker's good. Hit a 51-yarder. <laughs> That's about it. That's, yeah, that's a positive for you, uh, this game. I thought Brent Urban played well. That's, that's he played his best. Positive. He played his best game at the best he possibly could have played at multiple positions. So oh to Tim's point, uh, Brett Urban did stuff at multiple spots on the field, and uh, and TJ Watt more couldn't, even, couldn't even do that. Watt? Not going to see TJ Watt doing it. Not going to see TJ Watt doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh! I wanted Tucker to kick a field goal uh, after. Uh, the hill return. I think it was going to be like a 60-yard field. I guess they're at the 42. It would have been a 40, a 59-yard field goal. Should have tried it. Should have taken it. I hate this f***ing team. This team stinks. (laughs) I hate this team. I hate them. What underachievers. I need to move on. I need to move on from this team. I need to move on from this entire Coaching, stability, and... Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're moving on. Had to do it. <laughs> Had to do it. Let's play some games, shall we? Let's turn to the Random Raven. Tim is up this week. Tim, what do you have for us? A wide receiver from this season that we'd never be able to identify? Yeah, I was going to say, you wouldn't get that if I had it. Um, no, no. I, I have this one. This one you guys will get. But I'm, I'm interested to know if the listeners will get it. So always, you can tweet us at Pod like a Raven. You can send us a message on Instagram at Pod like a Raven. I'm, I'm incredibly confident you guys will get this one. Um, especially by the final clue. Because I do, admittedly, kind of give it up a little bit here. And, well, never mind. I won't say that. But... In my research, I might have found an even better random Raven for a couple weeks' time. Uh, But let's go with this one. Clue number one. This player will be in the playoffs this season for an NFC team. Clue number two. The Ravens drafted this player out of an ACC school in the sixth round of the 2011 NFL draft. Clue number three. After his four seasons in Baltimore... This player spent seven more seasons in the AFC with three different teams, including one season with the Cleveland Browns. Clue number four. This player has been a backup for most of his career, but he did spend three years as a starter in Buffalo, even making a Pro Bowl in 2015, which was astounding when I, when I did the research on this. And clue number five. The former ACC Player of the Year spent his time in Baltimore wearing the same number as Anthony Wright and some others, but I'm going to give you Anthony yeah. Wright. If you don't have it, I have it, Antonio. It's a fun yeah. one. <laughs> and there is a bonus clue. I will give you the bonus clue at the end. The bonus clue will almost certainly give it up, but that is the random Raven for this week. I don't know. I'm too distracted. Jace, I like missed half the clues. You'll get uh, it. You'll get it. I don't know. It's I'll have to listen one. again. A... I'll have to listen again like the listener at the end, <laughs> at the end a, of the episode. It's a real fun one. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Let's go to Harbaugh quotes. Cause that was fun to do this week. Uh, two quotes. Harbaugh really said one of them is fake. Had to pull. I originally had the Gus Edwards quote, but I'm glad that uh, both my co-hosts had seen that before we got to recording because of how absurd it is. Okay. Quote number one. Uh, Harbaugh on the tough loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
This is the National Football League. Every game is a dogfight. Would we rather have come out on top? Of course. But that's the nature of this league. You gotta move on to the next game. Quote number two on the quarterback situation entering the final game against Cincinnati. Whichever quarterback plays, that's the quarterback that's going to play. And we'll expect him to play great football. Quote number three, on whether Lamar Jackson will practice this week, quote, I don't know, end quote. Those are the three Harbaugh quotes. I think I've done this eight to ten times. Pretty sure the fellas have gotten it once. It's not a brag. It's it's more of an annoyance uh, that it's so hard to be right on what is ridiculous and no way Harbaugh could have said, as opposed to what he does say on a regular basis. I hate this team. All right, anyway. Fellas, which which quote do you think is the made-up quote? I f***ing hate that the third one is almost certainly a real f***ing Harbaugh quote. I'm just... Jace, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Period. Well, End quote. I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to ask a follow-up question, uh, Antonio, just because this has happened before. Is there any chance any there's these are all real? <laughs> so I appreciate you saying that because last week uh, with Tim I clarified and said you know, it's, it felt a bit unfair uh, on its own <laughs> with only having one person I did clarify that I, I didn't do the same thing that I had done okay. two weeks ago which was just try to ruin my co-hosts and friends lives and have three real quotes last week one was fake and two were real again this week Jace one is fake and oh two God. are real. See, this is the thing, because now I'm like, I feel like I saw variations of him say all these sure. things. Sure, well that's, yeah, and that's probably why this I'm game isn't actually fair. <laughs> for, my, for my own sanity, I just want to say, number three is fake. And give my last shred of confidence in John Harbaugh that he literally wouldn't say that to the media and think that it's a viable answer for a National Football League coach to say. I, I, and this is me giving him way too much credit, and also, I wouldn't be able to f***ing stand it. If that, now, now the floodgates are open. That's, that's it. Um, this, is, this is a turning point in the podcast, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, and I apologize to all those who are offended. We will certainly make changes and, and hopefully not have to do this again because it's, we don't, won't feel like this way about the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, wait. <laughs> They're in the playoffs in two weeks. We absolutely will feel this way in two weeks. Uh, yeah, I'm going number three is the fake one. I'll, I'll join you. I was between two and three being fake. I feel like I saw him say something along the lines of number one, but I wasn't sure if it was the exact verbiage. Yeah. Uh, so I will go with, I'll join you as well. I would agree on that. Two would be my other, that was my, it, you know, for lack of a better term, my second choice. All right. Uh, let's read quote number two first. The John Harbaugh haiku of the week. Whichever quarterback plays, that's the quarterback that's going to play. That's some deep stuff, John. And we'll expect him to play great football. He said him, which gave, you know, by accident, he said him. And that gave a lot of illuminating information that it will be a man who plays, or someone who identifies as male, who will be playing quarterback 
uh, on Sunday for the Ravens. That's a real quote by John Harbaugh. <laughs> because, of course, it is. Uh, quote number one. This is the National Football League. Every game is a dogfight. Would we rather have come out on top? Of course. But that's the nature of this league. You gotta move on to the next game. That's a fake quote. Oh, I no. wrote that quote. It's not real. He didn't say it. What did John Harbaugh say? Quote number three. On whether Lamar Jackson will practice this week. Not play. Not play in the game. A week from now. But practice this week. I don't know. I don't know. John Harbaugh. A real quote. I hate this team. Okay. Oh, oh my god. Let's turn away from the Ravens, importantly, well, <laughs> to the rest of I don't want to do NFL. any of this. I don't want to do any of this. Unfortunately, yeah. we have to at least touch on the Ravens, because as Tim mentioned, they're in the playoffs, so this pertains to them. <laughs> Let's look at the standings and the playoff picture as it currently stands in the AFC. Bills are going, Bengals are going, Chiefs are going, Chargers are going, Ravens are going, there's one spot left, or I should say Jags slash Titans, one of them is going to win the AFC South in a, in a battle, a gridiron battle of the 8-8 eight and eight versus the 7-9 and nine in week 18. But there's one spot left, fellas, and it's basically coming down to the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. They both get division matchups this week. The Patriots technically uh, ahead, I should say, you know, leading the the chase for that last playoff spot right now. But they get the Bills in the last game of the season. Miami gets the Jets in the last game of the season. How do you see that final spot sliding out, or what intrigues you about potential matchups? There's so much movement left still. Oh, I should say the Steelers, also in the hunt. They could get it. Sorry, I take it back. I may have done this incorrectly, but the the Steelers will be somewhere involved. They're going to win. We can just say that. Their last game is against Cleveland. I'd put a million dollars at the Steelers win the last game of the year and have a chance at the postseason. Let me turn to you, Jace. You seem to be ready to jump in here. I've said enough. I hate this team. How's it looking in the AFC? Well, to I was going to say our, our our loss to the Steelers did two things. It prevented them from their first losing season under Mike Tomlin and first losing season for the Steelers since two thousand three. They have not had a losing season. To I think putting them in the driver's seat to make the stupid playoffs because, like you said, if the Steelers win against the Browns and the Patriots lose to the Bills and the Dolphins who are currently two-a-less without their quarterback. Teddy uh, Bridgewater broke a finger on his throwing hand, I believe, in Sunday's game. So they might be down to Skylar Thompson fighting for their playoff lives uh, uh, at home against the Jets. Who who knows with the Jets? I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. But I think the Jets are (coughs) going to lose to the Jets. Why can't they? It'd be very Jets to get eliminated and then immediately win a game to get worse draft pick. Uh... So it, it, it's it's that simple. If the Steelers win and the Patriots lose and the Dolphins lose, the Steelers are going to the playoffs. And that is what I think happens. I think for the second year in a row, the Steelers are going to stumble into the seventh seed in the playoffs and likely get waxed by the Kansas City Chiefs, who will probably be the number two seed 
that whole top of the AFC will be shaken out with the result of tonight as we record on Monday, the Bills-Bengals game. If the Bengals beat the Bills, suddenly the Ravens look like they're probably going to play the Bills or the Bengals in the playoffs, which is great because uh, Casey will have the inside track to the number one seed. They're already one, a half game up on the Bills currently. And if the Bills lose tonight, Chiefs win next week. They're the one seed. Um, and they play on Saturday against the Raiders. Um, so that's intriguing uh, to see who the Ravens will play. It will probably be the Bengals most likely. But, yeah, in terms of the seventh seed – Somehow the Steelers are going to pull this out of their butt and make the playoffs at nine and eight, uh, and and lose probably horribly in the playoffs, just like the Ravens are going to. But but the Steelers are there. Mike Tomlin's a good coach, and and I think they're going to do it because I just think there's too many. The Bills will have something to play for. They're going to be playing for their playoff seeding and a chance at a bye next week, especially if they beat the Bengals tonight. Uh, they'll have to play their best against the Patriots. So I think the Bills will win. And I think, you know, the Dolphins could easily lose. Just they're in free fall. They've lost, what, five straight. So um, that's not looking great for them with their QB and just the team vibe. So, yeah, I, the Steelers could easily sneak into the playoffs here. And I hate it, as you've uh, so eloquently said uh, throughout the show. I, I hate the Ravens. I, I hate the Steelers still. But I think they will be the number seven seed in the AFC. Uh, yeah, nothing intrigues me about this. Who cares? Because we have, there's three teams in the AFC that can win this thing. It's the Chiefs, it's the Bills, it's the Bengals. We don't really know a ton about Bills, Bengals. Obviously, as we mentioned, we're recording oh, about two hours before that game kicks off. Can't wait to watch it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but all the other utter dross and trash and garbage that is in this AFC that people are like, oh, you know team gets hot at the right time you never know the Steelers are not doing anything against either of these teams uh the Dolphins are hilarious because remember when they were good and Mike McDaniel wasn't just some (coughs) lazy stoner who somehow ended up getting a head coaching job and was a genius yeah that's gone out the window Tua's career might be over like it's not you know not heavy favorites on that uh, uh, result but it's close the Jets (laughs) are the Jets Never stop jetting, Jets. And the Patriots are about as as middling as you can be, excuse me, which is the thing that we all hoped for. I always said this. As soon as Tom Brady left, I never wanted the Patriots to be bad. I just wanted them to be irrelevant. And that's exactly what they are at this stage, other than, is Mac Jones a dirty player? Find out next on SportsCenter. Like, that type of crap. (laughs) Um, So this AFC playoff picture, not to to beseech all the research and, and stuff you guys have done. That's not the right word. You get it. Um... It just doesn't matter. It doesn't because I do not see, I do not see a Bengals from this year or from last year. Excuse me, like kind of disturbing the picture, coming in, beating the big boys, what have you. I don't think anybody's touching Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, and those three teams are going to duke it out in some way, shape, or form to go to the Super Bowl. You're so right. There's going to be so many people talking themselves into Jags, Dark Horse, Chargers, Dark Horse. And we already know what the Chargers are going to do. The Chargers are going to piss down their own leg. They always do. I always call them the San Diego Chargers. They're going to do what the Chargers have done for 60 freaking years, which is make the playoffs. And everyone's like, oh, they're hot. Remember when they beat us in the playoffs a few years ago? They went on to lose like 40 to 12 or something against the Patriots the next week. They will get, maybe they'll win a round, but the Chargers will get hammered in 
whatever divisional round game they play. And that'll be that. And uh, yeah, so you're going to see a lot of Dark Horse Chargers, Dark Horse Jaguars. Because you're right, they're the only Dark Horses. Because the sixth seed is going to be us, probably. All the Chargers have to do to get the five, we should say, is beat the Broncos next week. I like their chances. Uh, no offense to former Ravens special teams coach slash Broncos interim coach Jerry Rossberg, yeah. but I don't see him. It was only brought on as a timekeeper, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't see them beating the Chargers, who are playing well. So, but it looks like the Ravens are going to get the six. The Steelers, I think, stumble into the seven. And yeah, but you're right, Tim. It doesn't matter, I don't think, because I, I think it's three teams in the AFC. Um, and who knows with the NFC? I don't know. Do we want to even attempt to sort through what's going going on over there? Well, I want to I want to touch the AFC just a little bit more because there's like small variations that impact the Ravens. Because uh, I I pulled up the old NFL playoff machine. It's my favorite toy uh, as we get after Christmas here. Um, if if I'm going to run through a, a scenario, if the Bengals beat the Bills at home tonight, which I fully expect will happen because nothing has broken the Ravens' way this millennium. So the the Bengals will beat the Bills uh, in the final week of the season. But what's interesting schedule-wise, the, the Bengals will then, in theory, have a chance for the number one seed, but they're going to know before the Ravens game, whether that's actually possible. The NFL did a pretty good job scheduling the most important sort of playoff in-and-out matchups at the same time, or seeding matchups at the same time, to try to create some level uh, of parity. But with the Chiefs playing on Saturday, and the Ravens and Bengals playing on Sunday, if the Bengals win their game uh, on Monday night against the Bills, uh, and then in theory would have that last week all to play for, they're going to know already if the Chiefs have beaten the Raiders, which I think we all very much expect, and that will mean the Chiefs have the number one seed. So going into the Bengals game against the Ravens, the Bengals with a win would be the two seed and would play the Miami Dolphins, and with a loss to the Ravens would play the Ravens the following week at home. Now I ask you, all those thousands and thousands of <laughs> Bengals fans out there, who would you rather play in a first round playoff matchup at home? The Miami Dolphins with Tua coming back from his concussion in time or this stupid Baltimore Ravens team who has mano a mano no chance to beat you guys <laughs> in Cincinnati when everybody is healthy? I think it's fascinating. I think there is a legitimate chance that if the Bengals know they cannot get the number one seed by Sunday, do they bench starters? Does Burrow not play the entire game against the Ravens with the knowledge that a win gives them possibly a stickier matchup against Miami than it does by playing the Ravens again the following week at home? Any thoughts on this uh, on this scenario before we turn to the NFC? Just real quickly, um, another maybe old man take. The only reason they wouldn't do that is that is just the epitome of bulletin board material. We're benching guys, so we play you next. Like, I do believe in that stuff a little bit, and that would be the strongest case for something like that. 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I think, too, Antonio, it's in part why the NFL hasn't decided, actually, as of time of recording, when this game will be taking place quite yet. Uh, they're kind of waiting to see if the Bengals win. Uh, well, if the Bengals lose, we should say the Ravens can still win the AFC North title, which is very stupid. Uh, but all they would have to do is beat the Bengals next week, and they would win the AFC North and be the number three seed in the AFC. Um, but be an 11-win football team. 11 wins, 11-6, AFC North champ. That's a better record than the Bengals had when they went to the Super Bowl last year. They only went 10-7. Um, but, uh, yes. Um, so the NFL is kind of waiting to see what happens tonight. And if the Bengals lose uh, to set up a winner takes the AFC North, this game will be at 425 next week. If they win, But it would still think, be Sunday, right? It's it'll confirmed still be on Sunday, Sunday, but it'll be at 425. Yeah. If the Bengals win and the Ravens can't win the AFC North, they're just putting it at 1 p.m. Because it'll be, like you said, uh, for seeding. Um, but it's also interesting, I think, from the Ravens' side, if you kind of are, like, if the Bengals win tonight, as we record, um, you are more or less, the Ravens are locked into six, basically, assuming the Chargers win. Um, and so then, then you wonder, I'm like, do the Ravens try that hard next week? Uh, you know, and the... Uh, Lamar is definitely not coming back if the Ravens uh, lose or if the Bengals win tonight. So, because uh, I they hopefully bring him back for a playoff game if they had to rematch. But it's happened a few times in NFL history. You teams meet in the last game of the regular season and then meet in the playoffs. Um, but that would be a very strange, strange scenario for sure. And I don't know what the Ravens would do. I assume they'd play very vanilla because at at a certain point, then you, like you know, Tim, you talk about bulletin board material, but the Ravens would have. Almost nothing to play for if the Bills don't win on Monday night. Oh, Jace. Jace, burying the lead. If the Ravens have nothing to play for, their offense will be vanilla. That's a good one, Jace. (laughs) I would love, I would love to see a vanilla Ravens offense. I don't know what that is. Uh, Maybe they'll play with 10 men on the field, Jace, offensively. (laughs) When they have nothing to play for. Because a vanilla offense would be a dream. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's turn to the <laughs> NFC that has, by the NFL's majestic bidding, so many perfect, fascinating scenarios. Good job, Goodell. Good job, NFL. It's my it's my only conspiracy theory that I have in my life. The NFL is rigged. It's an entertainment business. It's not it's not a competitive athletics event. The Eagles lost against the Saints completely flat, even though they were able to score at will against the Dallas Cowboys on the road the week before, all of a sudden they were incapable of scoring against the bad New Orleans Saints. So therefore, the number one seed still up for grabs. The Dallas Cowboys still fighting between a wild card and the number one seed in the NFC. San Francisco pulled out an overtime win against the the Jarrett Stidhams, They still have a chance for the number one seed. The Minnesota Vikings did their part part of the act. They didn't even try in their game against the Green Bay Packers, which set up the perfectly scripted NFL Sunday night matchup of Lions at Packers to determine who gets a wild card there. And then I left it for last because it's the most annoying. The Tampa Bay Bucks at 8-8, officially winners of the NFC South, even though, again, just like every other game they've played against bad NFC South opponents, the Bucks were down late, 
had to make a mysterious comeback where all of a sudden their offense could score points, even though they couldn't for the first ha- first 40 minutes. And now we have the Bucks as a division champ at 8-8. Eight and eight. Nothing to play for because they're locked in to the number four seed. What do you guys like, dislike about the NFC playoff picture? And who do you see uh, getting this the, the, the top seed and the final wild cards? I mean, NFL rigged is, like, hilarious because it's, like, this is almost as true as you can get. <laughs> Just, like, with some of the commander stuff, like, some of the shady, weird penalties that they're getting because the NFL hates Dan Snyder and what have you. Or their coach not knowing they could be eliminated by starting Carson Wentz. Also that. Or their yeah, coach that... putting in their worst quarterback as opposed to their better quarterback seems in a game they had to like, win. It seems, seems odd. Like seems odd. something that's a bit <laughs> odd. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, only a couple notes. I don't really know who's going to... I think the Eagles are going to get the one seed because the Giants are in. They can't really move in their playoff positioning, so they're probably going to rest some guys, try and get healthy. And the Eagles, frankly, you can argue that they peaked at the wrong time, and I think you might be right, but the Eagles need this win. Like, they need a let's get back after it. You know, I know they need to get healthy too, but they need to pick up a little bit of momentum before getting into the playoffs, especially if they're going to have a bye as well um the Niners it's just hard with Brock Purdy I mean Jace mentioned it in the ramp before I mean they they still look good but then also Kyle Shanahan is the San Diego Chargers of head coaches when it comes to the playoffs and he could just you know completely piss down his leg at any given moment as well so who knows what's going to happen there um I just I will say I hate that it's going to be the Packers and the Bucks like Bucks are in obviously I wanted the Lions, and I like that the Giants are in, even though they are kind of like an old-school team, but we haven't seen them in a while. I, I know I know, Jace loves Aaron Rodgers, and I don't get me wrong. I, I, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play as well, and it's cool to see the Packers kind of get a little bit of their swag back, even though it's costing me dearly in multiple uh, fantasy football championships this weekend. Uh, thanks, Justin Jefferson. All year, buddy. This is, the, this is the game you decide to just completely cock it up? All right, thanks. Um, it, it, I think the Packers are going to get in, and I think it's just kind of it, – it takes away from it a little bit that it's like, oh, okay, well, it's the Packers and Tom Brady in again. Like, give, give me Dan Campbell and the Lions in the playoffs. That would be fun, and it's just not going to be fun because, like Antonio said, the NFL might be rigged. Uh, I'm mostly – yeah, I'm very ambivalent about – the like, usually I don't care one way or the other too much about the Packers. I do like Aaron Rodgers, even though I find him – more personally annoying as yeah he's year, getting more annoying year yeah. over year <laughs> but uh um I, I i agree with you they have the easiest path they're literally winning in and it's at lambo where the lions almost never win um and it's just kind of boring and like yeah to reinforce nfl rigged like the vikings lose i mean the vikings are 12 and 4 with a minus 19 point differential which seems impossible <laughs> but uh so i don't expect anything from them in the playoffs really uh the good teams they beat the cowboys smash them the packers just smash them uh the eagles smash them on monday night football uh, it's been very bad uh, for uh, Minnesota in any game, except against the Bills, I guess. And that was a miracle win uh, that the Bills really blew a you know 17-point lead in. So the Packers have the easiest path. We should just mention the Seahawks can still make the playoffs if the Lions win, but the Seahawks beat the Rams. Uh, sadly, Detroit will not go to the playoffs automatically, even if they beat the Packers. Uh, the Seahawks have the tiebreaker. So if the Lions beat the Packers, but the Seahawks don't lose, then the Seahawks go. Uh, 
Which, you know, I like the Seahawks team. I think it's probably been a fun season for Seahawks fans. You know, you're in the mix in week week 18, the year after you trade Russell Wilson. That's probably fun. And watching, you know, they have, what, a top four draft pick thanks to that trade. So it's been a good season for Seahawks fans. But I would just so much rather the Lions go out of all the NFC teams. Because you're right. I was happy the Giants win. I like the way they play. I think Dable's a great coach. Um and they seem to be setting up a rematch with the Vikings, who they just played a few weeks ago. Uh, but the Bucks will win the NFC. Uh, I've been on this train uh, for, for months now. Uh, and uh, um, Tom Brady, out of nowhere, pulls a 450-sub-yard game, 425-yard game. Mike Evans, who I, I heard on the broadcast hadn't scored since week four, uh, had three touchdowns on Sunday to clinch in this comeback win. Um I think I think Tom Brady's going to do Tom Brady things. I I just can't help like it's Brock Purdy beating him in the playoffs is Jalen Hurts beating him in the playoffs. It's so annoying. Uh, Antonio, you said this is like one of your least favorite uh, Brady teams ever, uh, and there's a lot to choose from because I heard this is the the 14th straight year Tom Brady's been in the playoffs. Um, so we've we've had we've had a lot of Tom Brady in our lives over the last 22 years. Uh, and, um, yeah, he's back again with his worst, literally the worst team he's ever played on. He's never lost eight games in a season, uh, and he's still in the playoffs. Very frustrating. But yeah. it seems yeah, to let's be setting break up down, for him. <laughs> let's break down the, uh, I hate this team, Chase. And, and this time, I'm, I mean the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's look at the point differential of the NFC South. Uh, <laughs> in fourth place, the Atlanta Falcons, minus 34. In third place, currently, the Carolina Panthers, minus 30. In second place, the Saints at minus 12, and the uh, already in the postseason Tampa Bay Bucks minus 32. <laughs> They're right there with every other team. Worse than the Saints, worse than the, worse than the Panthers with the point differential, and yet with a minus 32 winning the South. We'll probably steal a playoff game because that's how the NFL works, and uh, hashtag NFL is. Uh, is rigged. All right. Anything else from the NFL playoff picture before we turn to uh, another frustrating segment on the show? Uh, no, it's it'll. Yeah, NFL is rigged. Uh, <laughs> they set up the perfect Week 18 with all their results. You know, I mean, just to get the Packers winning in at Lambeau Field the final week of Sunday Night Football, there's going to be like 40 million people watching that game. It's going to do a stupid number, and uh, yeah, NFL just always get what it, gets what it wants. Curious, isn't it? <laughs> Motion uh, right. motion to skip this preview because we all know what's gonna happen. I will uh I'll read off Tim's notes in the preview and then if Tim would like to add he may, but I'm not gonna call on him to add anything else if he doesn't if he doesn't feel the need to, because I respect the motion. Uh the motion passes, Tim, with flying colors. It's Ravens, it's Bengals. It's next week. It's unclear whether it will be relevant or not by the time this very episode goes live. Uh, I'm just in a season that has been most annoying. I've like packed all the suitcases for Bengals are beating the Bills at home, which will mean that uh, for the Ravens' sake, the Week 18 matchup will be irrelevant, which will mean Lamar Jackson will not play. Now, 
Would it be more fun? Dare I say fun? In the most joyless season that we've ever had? That the Bengals lose to the Bills. Setting up a... Two-minute warning against the Browns? Like Lamar Jackson return in Week 18? Contract statement game for him to say, I am the savior of this team. You guys couldn't score 20 points without me for a month, but I'm back, and I'm here to take the AFC North from the Bengals. That would be more fun. Let's pretend, I don't know, let's pretend that's the situation. Not that Jackson's coming back, but let's pretend the game matters uh, as a sense of previewing it, because if it doesn't matter, guess what? The preview is irrelevant. The Ravens will... huh? LOL, Jace, the Ravens will have a vanilla (laughs) offense to not show anything to the Bengals for their playoff matchup the following week. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Let's pretend it's important. Let's pretend they can steal the AFC North. Let's talk Ravens offense against Bengals defense. The gauntlet's being thrown down, fellas. Can the team score 17 points? My notes from Tim for this? Nope. Jace, is there a chance this offense can score 17, and I say that lightheartedly because of the offensive struggles, but really, can the offense find success? Let's pretend Jackson comes back for this game, and it's his attempt to show that he should be a $300 million man. He should be the guaranteed money, because as, again, Collinsworth pointed out uh, on the Sunday night broadcast, Lamar Jackson's Ravens score 28 points a game, The non-Lamar Jackson Ravens score 18 points a game. Thought it was a great point. It's maybe his biggest bargaining chip. They score points. They win games. If he's in with a game that has meaning, can this offense find any sort of rhythm and put points on the board? Well, they scored 19 points against the Bengals the first time they played them this year with Lamar, and that required a last-minute field goal drive to win at the buzzer. I'm not optimistic just because of where this team has been trending. We mentioned, um, you know, the offense as a whole, and it, it's been a lot of Tyler Huntley, but it did start with Lamar, 13-3 to against the Panthers. They were cruising for 14 points at best against the Broncos in that game uh, when he got hurt in, um, which they ended up winning, what, 10-9? to uh, So... <laughs> I'm not especially optimistic. Uh, some just brutal stats I found in uh, on the Ravens offense here via Jonah Schaefer of uh, the Sun. The Ravens have scored 17 points or fewer 13 times in the Lamar Jackson era, <laughs> and six of those games have come in the past seven weeks. Uh, if you want to get even darker for a minute via Jamison Hensley, the Ravens have been held to 17 or fewer points in five straight games. Lamar has only played one quarter in that span. But the last time the Ravens failed to score more than 17 points in five consecutive games was 2005 when Kyle Buller and Anthony Wright were at QB. <laughs> so we are looking at an offense that is truly as bad as it's ever been for the Ravens, which is really saying something. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're older guys, I would say. We've seen most of this franchise's games um, uh, that they've played outside of the late 90s uh, or mid-90s. So we've seen a lot of bad offensive football, uh, and this is as bad as we've ever seen. And we've seen a lot of bad offensive football. Um, 
So I'm just with the where with the weapons where they are, even with a miraculous Lamar return if his knees suddenly healthy, which I uh, have my doubts because bone bruises turn into six month injuries for this team and uh, knee sprains uh, might as well be torn ACLs. But Jace, um, is it a strain or a sprain? Oh. Who knows? We don't know. Can't say. I don't know. I don't know. I don't is know. he even practicing? I don't know. The coach doesn't know. Why would I know? Um, but <laughs> so I'm not optimistic about anything the offense does uh, in this game. And yet, I don't know if we're ready to move on from this awful side. It's the other side of the ball I'm actually more worried about <laughs> in this game. Well, hold on. Let's jump just quickly. I'm going to do a body language check. Uh, Mr. Tim Horsey, any additional insight on the Ravens offense? No, no. It looks like a no. It looks like a no from Tim for the Ravens offense. Jace, let's turn to oh. the Ravens defense. Uh, boy, gauntlet thrown down here. Can the defense play a 60-minute football game? I'm not saying they can't give up points. I'm not saying they can't give up 20 points. I'm not saying they can't give up 300 yards to Joe Burrow because he's good and the Bengals' offense is good. But can this team start the game strong, be strong in the middle, and close out a football game? I'm going to turn to Tim's notes here. Nope. Tim says nope. Jace, I turn to you. Can the defense play a 60-minute football game? I don't know if they'll play a 60-minute game, but I think they'll play at least a 40-minute game because that's how long they'll be on the field Ooh. for uh, in this one. Um, <laughs> I am just not optimistic. I think the Bengals are going to drop a hammer on us, Antonio. And I just think it's bad vibes. And I know the defense, you know, for all the complaining we did, they gave up 16 points. They've been playing really well. What They haven't given up 20 points since the Jags game. The defense is playing well, but I just think, you know, the Bengals are going to be pissed off about losing the first game, especially if they lose tonight. They're going to want to win the AFC North. They're the defending champs. And, um, you know, last year Burrow threw for 941 yards uh, against the Ravens. And the scary thing for me, I think, too, is um, the secondary is rapidly devolving uh, in deteriorating in personnel in a similar way. Like, guys are just... Wait, hurt, you hurt. mean the position group that they made an entire offensive or off-season philosophy to address because it was their most snake-bitten position the year before? Yeah. And yet they're in the same exact position? Is that the position Marlon group you're here. That's about the only difference. But he was there the first time uh, when they got lit up. And now I do think the safety position's better, uh, with, even with Hamilton, Marcus Williams... Um, I think it's been good good for the Ravens. I didn't notice him much against the Steelers. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But um, but Marcus Peters is probably still out. I, I'd be kind of surprised if he played. <coughs> Brandon Stevens missed some time. He hurt his hand at some point in the game against uh, the Steelers on Sunday night. Or his arm. I forget what exactly it was. Upper body injury. Uh, and uh, so he got injured. Obviously, they lost Kyle Fuller week one. There's a lot. There's increasingly Kevon Seymour sightings every week. Uh, I just have my concerns. And, um, you know, it's fine against the Steelers who uh, own fans want their offensive coordinator fired and they have a rookie QB. And Deontay Johnson's good, but he's not as good as all the receivers, you know, we've seen them run through there that have terrorized the Ravens. Um, but the Bengals have guys who have destroyed the Ravens. Jamar Chase is back. I believe T. Higgins is back. I know they've had some injuries, but just, you know, Higgins, Boyd's back. I don't know if he is. I, I, I We can guarantee Hayden Hurst is going to go off again because that's just what happens. Uh, uh, 
I just I just see Burrow lighting them up, and I know like they lost Lyle Collins, and their line's still a mess, but. Yeah, I, I think if the division's on the line, I think the Bengals are going to drop a bomb on the Ravens, <laughs> and uh, I, I, you know, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if this game's close in the fourth quarter. One thing, I will jump in here. I know, yes. shockingly, Sorry. good, good. It is more of a question now than it ever has been of the hypothetical. Let me rephrase this. I think it's sad that the hypothetical of if you could guarantee that there would be massive organizational changes with an embarrassing loss here, would you do it? This is the first time in a very long time in Raven in my Ravens fandom that I would be like, absolutely. Take the, <laughs> take the absolute pounding to make sure that this stuff changes. And that's, that's the entire ethos of this episode tonight that we're recording it seems like that but it's just it's really sad that this is the point where we're at all i'm gonna say is i look forward to the ravens signing i should say re-signing robert jackson for this game uh when they need to address the cornerback depth and for all you listeners out there robert jackson not a random raven because he played for the team last season uh if you know you know him Legend, five games with the team, 2021. Uh, if you don't, then you'll probably see him at some point next week. Uh, all right. I was going to say intangibles. We've touched on the intangibles. A lot of it is is dependent on this Monday night game that is happening shortly. Um, I like Tucker against McPherson. <laughs> McPherson was sort of his, like, apprentice uh, you know, the the new goat in waiting, and then he's had a pretty mediocre season. So guess what? If it comes down to one of them having to hit a 60-yarder to uh, to win a game, I like the special teams. Everything else is just whatever. Um, let's turn to the gambling, where last week I was 1-2. and two. Could have swung to 2-1. and one. Had the Ravens not given up a touchdown in the final minute. But I'm 31 and 23 on the season. One week to go. And I'm feeling, typically, the final week of the season can be a disaster. Gambling-wise, because you don't know who's playing. You don't know who's in. You don't know who's out. You don't know what games matter. But I kind of think I have a 3-0 and slate. And I'm very excited to bring it to you guys. The first pick, dare I say the easiest, it's Bengals minus 7. I have picked the Ravens so many times this year. I've been wrong so many times. I stole a few games, like the Falcons line that, you know, I think the line was eight or something. They won by nine. So that that, that was a nice win to have or something like that. But uh, it's difficult to do this pick without knowing uh, what the Bengals situation is. But I don't really think it matters. The Bengals win that game at home by more than a touchdown. I think it's unlikely Lamar Jackson makes an appearance, which means the team can't score 17 points, and the Bengals will absolutely drop 24, which means they cover that line. If it's 24-16, to 16, that's a Bengals win. So I hate it, but I hate this team. So Bengals minus 7. Lock it up. My next pick is Cowboys minus 4 at Washington. The commies, by accident, lost a game not knowing they could be eliminated from playoff contention. 
they've been eliminated from playoff contention. They technically have nothing to play for, whereas the Cowboys, who at 12-4 and are a very good football team, still have an actual chance for the number one seed. They will be going for it. They are playing at the same time as the Eagles, so this will not be a situation where they know what the Eagles have done and they're going to bench guys or this, that, and the other. They will be gunning for that win. I don't care that it's in Washington. That's not a home field advantage. The only issue is Cowboys players getting hurt on that stupid field. (laughs) But I think the Cowboys win this by multiple touchdowns. The offense is dynamic. The defense can give up yards, but will get turnovers. If it's Carson Wentz for Washington, they're going to get a lot of turnovers. If it's Heineke for Washington, the commies are just not going to score enough points. They're not going to hang with the Cowboys. I love this minus four for a Cowboys team that has so much to play for against a team with nothing to play for. And then finally, it's a tease. Because why not? It's my last pick of the season. It's a three-team Six-point tease. And oh boy, I'm into it. Now, I must say, you're going to listen to this knowing the result of this Bengals-Bills game. That's my my giant sort of sparkly red flag, like look alive. If the Bengals win tonight against the Bills, the Bills will have very little to play for by the time they get to their game uh, next week. They're going to be pretty much locked into that third seed, especially knowing what Kansas City did ahead of them on Saturday. So if the Bengals win, I'm saying maybe pump the brakes on this pick. But you're listening to this on Tuesday, so you know that the Bills took care of business against the Bengals. And if they did, oh boy, do I like this teaser. The Bills will have a lot to play for. And they are hosting the New England Patriots. Patriots aren't very good. As long as they don't get pick sixes in their favor, they can't really win football games. That's a pretty low-odd situation. So I'm going to tease this Bills line from minus 7.5 to minus 1.5. They're at home. They have things to play for. They will beat the Patriots by more than a point. The second game, the Packers against the Lions. Come on, guys. Come on. The line is four. They're at home. I'm moving this to plus two. First of all, the Packers are winning this game regardless. However, what makes this even more intriguing is that the Lions will know the Seahawks' result already before the game starts. So assuming, statistically... That's the Seahawks take care of business at home against the Rams. The Lions will know they cannot make the postseason. The Packers are going to win this game at home against a Lions team that knows that even if they win, they will not go to the playoffs. I'm teasing this from Packers minus four to Packers plus two. Hashtag NFL rigged. They want Rodgers in the playoffs. (laughs) Plus two? Give me a break. And the final game is that fun slash not fun AFC South matchup between the Jaguars and the Titans. The winner goes in. The Jags at home are currently 
six and a half point favorites against the Titans. They already beat the Tannehill Henry version of the Titans in Tennessee by multiple touchdowns. This week, they're going to get the Joshua Dobbs Titans in Jacksonville. Joshua Dobbs has played one game this season. He played it last week with the Titans because Malik Willis cannot be an NFL quarterback. Joshua Dobbs looked as good as he possibly could have for that situation. They scored 13 points. That's the same number of points that they can possibly score in this game. The line teased down. Six points is going to be Jags. Minus half a point at home against the Titans to go to the playoffs? Jags have won a bunch of games in a row. They're scoring points. They look good. They figured stuff out. It's a three-teamer. I love it. I'm all over it. I'm just waiting to see if the Bills can beat the Bengals tonight. If they do, lock it up. My goodness, I'm into this three-team teaser. It's going to be a 3 and a week, and that's how we're going to close out the NFL season. So I'm with you on Bengals minus seven. Uh, I do not see the Ravens doing this. And I want to correct something I did say earlier in this episode. I kind of throw a white line. Don't know if anyone caught it. Uh, but you are correct, you, Antonio. You mentioned uh, it's been five straight games. The Ravens have not scored more than one touchdown. Uh, nah. And even though they hit 17 against the Falcons, one touchdown, two-point conversion. That's on me. <laughs> I missed that. I forgot that's how that happened. Uh, so, yes, it's been five straight weeks without multiple <coughs> touchdowns. I think that has to favor the Bengals, uh, a team that literally cannot get into the end zone. Can't do anything once they get to the red zone. Only long touchdowns if they get them. Uh, um, so, yeah, Bengals is the pick there. I have gone with the Patriots at plus seven and a half just because I think, you know, a, a win and they're in the playoffs thing. Belichick can get frisky and keep it close. But I think the Bills ultimately win the game. But I think it could just be like a four-point game. Closer than you think. Maybe a little backdoor cover. The Patriots do seem to be able to just kind of hang around. Uh, weather's probably awful, I assume, up in Buffalo uh, <laughs> this weekend, uh, if I had to guess. Um, so I've got it with the Patriots just to cover that spread, but I don't think they'll win. And then I think this is a virtual lock. Steelers minus three at home <laughs> against Deshaun yes. Watson Browns. Um, with the, not quite win and you're in the playoffs, but win and there's a very good chance you're going to the playoffs. And I, I think the Steelers are going to crush the Browns this week. Uh, I think they're going to want to embarrass, you know, the Browns anyway. They're one of their biggest rivals. And, uh, yeah, beat, beat your rival at home to go to the playoffs <laughs> who has nothing to play for. The Browns got eliminated two weeks ago. Uh, I just like that. I, I feel like it's almost a lock the Steelers win this week. So minus three is the pick. Uh, Bengals minus seven. We've done enough of the Ravens. I'm tired of it. Um, I, I'm convinced on Antonio's tease, which is not available on the app that I like to use yet. I just tried, but because the Bills game hasn't played yet, you can't do the alt spread on that second game quite yet. So as soon as maybe tomorrow morning, I will be putting that one in because I do. I was convinced thoroughly. Uh, and I will say, just to, if, the, if the result of this game impacts the line, which is possible mm-hmm. that the line moves to like minus eight and a half, let's say, because the Bills have something to play for, I'm still taking it at minus, uh, what would that be, minus two and a half, less than a field goal, with the number one seed to play for, yes please. So I just yeah. want to include that, $100 pays 160 please go for it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm convinced on the Steelers there. Good job, Jace. I'm convinced on the Cowboys there. Good job, Antonio. So those, Oh, my other pick, sorry. The one that I'm not going to uh, – is not the same ones you guys have. Right now, the Jets are plus one and a half away to Miami. So the New York Jets have nothing to play for. 
But if Tua Tungabailoa is not starting this game, if it's Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater, and you're giving me the Jets, who maybe are kind of doing the whole, look, we're not in the playoffs, but let's go out on a high note type thing. We got a load of talent. Let's see if Mike White's maybe the guy. And you're giving me plus one and a half. I'm taking it against this Dolphins team that just cannot get out of their own way. Well, and Salah might be coaching for his job, Tim. To <laughs> might be. Uh, yep, might so, be. And they crushed the Dolphins. Uh in a game Skylar Thompson played in earlier this season. So uh, I like that pick as well. And I have, I've seen reports that Tua's like not, he's a hundred percent not playing in this game. Uh, Bridgewater, as I said last week, even if he does play, that'll be a fun quarter. That'll be a frisky quarter <laughs> until he gets hurt. So I am intrigued by that as well, Tim, because I do think it will end up being the third string quarterback for the Dolphins in that game. All right. Last thing to do is answer the random Raven. Tim, could you give us those clues one more time? Yeah, so clue number one, this player will be in the playoffs on the NFC side this season. Number two, this player, uh, the Ravens drafted this player out of an ACC school in the sixth round of the 2011 NFL draft. Uh, Clue number three, after his four seasons in Baltimore, this player spent seven more seasons in the AFC with three different teams including one season in the AFC North with the Cleveland Browns. Clue number four, this player has been a backup for most of his career, but he did spend three years as a starter with the Buffalo Bills, even making the Pro Bowl in 2015. Uh, And clue number five, this former ACC Player of the Year spent his time in Baltimore wearing the same number as Anthony Wright. Now, I know Jace has it. Antonio, would you like my bonus clue? No, I missed. No, I I did. I think I was like sobbing in the corner when you read off one of the very important clues there. So I do have it at this point. So I'm feeling a little bit better. But Jace, if you would like to, uh, actually for fun, Tim, just read us the bonus clue. Sure. Why not? Yeah, we'll do the bonus clue here. Uh, bonus. This player's unfortunate injury because of a doctor mishap led to the start of another player's prolific career. Yo, Tim, um, this Donnie from Dundalk, um, I think uh, this guy should play over um, Joe Flacco. I think this guy is uh, Tyrod Taylor. All the Joe Flacco hate. Now they're all calling for Joe Flacco. I had to get into. I had to say Flacco to get into the Balmer accent a little bit. Jace, you are absolutely correct. That is Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Oh, what a legend. Uh, perhaps the most talked about guy on – Baltimore Airwaves, who never played. And I will say this. This is a bonus clue for the two of you to maybe help with the next random Raven that I have, unless you steal him. And I'll just leave it vague, and you'll probably forget in three (coughs) weeks. That's why I feel confident in saying it. This, doing research of Tyrod Taylor led me to my next random Raven that I am astounded is not on this list yet. (laughs) Astounded. I have a hunch. I have a hunch. But I also thought we'd done him, so maybe not. Um, It's a fantastic choice. We love bringing in QBs as random Ravens because the Ravens, while being only a 25-year-old franchise, have enough random quarterbacks uh, due to the struggles of the franchise offensively. All right. This was a slog. Uh, One of our longer episodes. Definition of a slog. Uh, For the listener, we appreciate you sticking with us. Hopefully it wasn't uh, too much negativity. Uh, to bring you down uh, as you listen this week, but whatever. They're a playoff team. Cool. Uh, it's great. We'll lo- we'll love we'll love to see it. Let me know when Lamar Jackson comes back. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. It's the last week of the NFL regular season. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening to us. We will see you 
next 